With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. This is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. It's Friday. Someone say TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. Well, there's a lot going on today. We're going to get right into it. First of all, I want to say happy birthday to Bill, our truck driving friend who calls in all the time. Happy birthday to you, sir. God bless your day. May it be rich. May it be filled with good things. And I'm sure that that's the plan that God has for you. Happy birthday. And we'll make that announcement again, just in case our brother is not available yet to hear the broadcast. But I do want to say also, we send our condolences out today for Brother Kevin. Uh, We have been hesitant to say anything to respect and honor uh, his momentary and immediate crisis that he found himself in with his uh, family Uh, Kevin's father has passed from this world to the next, and Kevin, we just want to say to you again, our condolences to you and your family, and I know that because of your faith in Christ, you will stand up and you will move forward, and there will be reunion in due season. 
but for you and your family, may God's comfort and God's peace be upon you in Jesus' name. So we have birthdays being celebrated. We have people that are mourning over the loss of their loved ones, and this is called life. And there's so much more in between. Babies are being born into the world. People are leaving the planet. It's just a constant reality of the way things are in this world. And we are here right now. We are alive. We are tuned in as best as we know how to be tuned into the Holy Spirit. And we're looking for answers. We're wanting to know the truth. And God has given us his Holy Spirit so that we may know the truth. And we already have been convinced that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus is our guide. His words, his life, his teaching, his everything. We believe in Jesus. We believe in the cross. We believe that he lived on this earth for 33 and a half years. If somebody else can prove it otherwise, so be it. But really, who cares? I mean, we just don't know absolutely the number of the moments, right? So we believe he's been here for 33 and a half years when he came, that he was born of a virgin. Her name was Mary in our language, and he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and he is God's only begotten son. We believe that. We believe that because God has given us faith. And for anybody to believe that a person could be born through a virgin womb, you know faith has to be involved. Not fantasy, not impossibility. Impossible for men, yes, but not for God. For God to choose a womb, to put his ecclesia, his seed in it, right? His seed, and Christ is the seed, is not a big deal, obviously, for God and to a submitted vessel. So we believe that Jesus Christ came into this earth, born of a virgin. We believe that Herod wanted to kill all the babies two years and younger. We believe there's historical, factual data to that reality. We believe that Jesus and his family, Joseph and Mary, fled down to Egypt. They were there for a period of time. They came back. He went to Nazareth. He grew up. And at the age of 30 years old, which in the Hebrew economy of things, that seems to be the age of maturity. That's when David came to the throne. That's when Joseph came to the throne in Egypt. 30 is a maturing number. And so we believe that Jesus began his ministry when he went to John, was baptized. The spirit of the Lord came upon him like a dove, brought him into the wilderness. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted. We believe that he came out with power, and for three and a half years, he demonstrated the power of the kingdom of heaven and the Holy Spirit. We believe that Jesus Christ died three and a half years later into his ministry. He died a bloody death on the cross by the Romans at the demand of the Jewish scribes and Pharisees in the society of that day who screamed for his crucifixion. This was all according to the purpose and plan of God. Even the betrayal of Judas was part of the, be- of the plan and purpose of God. Someone had to do it. Someone had to have him executed. Somebody had to crucify him. Somebody. And so all of these things in the foreknowledge of God acting out, working out exactly the way that God knew that they were. Does that justify the people that have done it? Absolutely not. So we believe that on that day, Passover, Somewhere in the realm of 2,000 years ago, Jesus, the Messiah, Yeshua, 
was crucified. We believe that he was taken to the whipping post. We believe that he took 39 stripes upon his back. We believe that by the time they were done whipping him, that he was unrecognizable according to Isaiah chapter 53. He was unrecognizable. They had placed a crown of thorns in his head. They had ripped the beard out of his face, creating a mire and an unrecognizable reality. And they had punched him. They had spit on him. They had beaten him, mocked him, dressed him in a purple robe, et cetera, et cetera. Brought him forth before the people, and they screamed, crucify him. They released a sinner by the name of Barabbas. We believe it. And this is a time of release, no doubt about it. So Jesus goes. They have him walk through Golgotha, uh, up to the, the uh, Golgotha, the Via Della Rosa in, in, in Jerusalem, the pathway that he took to tarry his cross. A, a man <clears throat> came and helped him. We believe the story. And we believe that Jesus marched up to that mountain and he carried the weight of the world on that cross. When he was dragging that cross through the streets of the Via Della Rosa, we believe he was dragging you and I with him. He was dragging the sins of the whole human race in his stripped and beaten body. We believe that the blood that was dripping from his body touching the earth was redemptive blood. We believe that when he was dragging the cross and the weight of the world upon his shoulders, marching up that hill, got a little bit of help, And when they finally nailed him and impaled him to the cross and they stuck the nails in his wrists and in his feet and they lifted him up from the earth at his words that if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. We believe that we have been drawn to him, that faith has come, that we believe that he was lifted up and the eyes of the world now saw the Messiah on the hill called Golgotha. And there he was stretched out crucified, condemned unjustly, but condemned perfectly for the sins of the whole world. And there he paid the price and his blood was dropping off of his body. And that redemptive blood was purchasing back this earth. That redemptive blood was paying the price for the sins of the whole human race to restore the human race back into the original intent of the father. We believe that that blood was soaking up and and, and dripping out from every area, from his hands, from his feet, from his head. And then we believe that the Roman soldier punctured his side and blood and water came out of there as well. We believe in the testimony and the witness of the apostles. We believe that Jesus Christ on the cross said, it is finished. Something was accomplished on that cross It brought an end to the whole realm of Judaism. It brought an end of the whole thing of temple worship. He fulfilled everything in the Mosaic law, and he brought in a brand new covenant. And we believe the covenant that he brought in were the words of his mouth and the covenant of the spirit and grace. It was a grace-filled Holy Spirit covenant That was no longer external, but it was the word of God to be written upon the hearts of men as their faith would believe and receive the Messiah. Holy Spirit was the gift, and the greater promise of this greater covenant was eternal life. Under the Mosaic law, there was no promise of eternal life. This new covenant was the promise of eternal life, and what was granted to all who believe is the eternal spirit of God. The eternal spirit of God talks to us, 
guides us, speaks to us, comforts us, teaches us. This is the new covenant. We believe it. We believe every bit of it and so much more. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In this sin-sick world that we live in right now, the best news the world would ever receive is the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The light and glory of the Messiah dying for the sins to the Jew first and then to the Gentile nations of the earth for all humanity. We believe it. And because we believe it, and have experienced this reality. It's not just a vain faith. It was faith to believe in what we would have never thought possible we could believe, but we did, and it was easy because it was a gift from God we have received. And now we're here on this earth 2,000 years later carrying the torch of this light. We are carrying the word of God. We are carrying the spirit of God. We have been a selected generation from generation to generation. There's been impartation so that each generation could carry the torch, but there will be a finishing generation. Somebody is going to finish and cross the finish line. Some generation must be the generation alive and remaining at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some generation is going to witness the final great tribulation, the finality of all things, some generation. And we believe that our generation is a qualified generation, being the jubilee generation that it is, the 50th generation. That's who we are. 50 generations times 40 years, a generation is 2,000 years. We are there. We are the generation that witnessed Israel become a nation again. We are the generation that have witnessed the technological explosion all over the world. Major biblical prophetic signs, and we are the generation that is witnessing all Bible prophecy coming to pass in the Old Testament and New Testament. The things that were written of old about the end are being fulfilled, and the things that were written by the holy apostles are being fulfilled as well. And most importantly, the very words of Jesus Christ are being fulfilled in this world. They've always existed to a degree, but for the first time in the history of the world, Israel is returned as a nation. The fig tree has put forth her branches. This generation shall not pass until all these things be fulfilled. We believe we are at the very precipice, the very door of going forward and marching through the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth. But I want to inspire you today, you who believe, the rest of the world that does not believe what you believe about the gospel, you cannot follow their wisdom, reason, way, advice, You cannot be moved by their mockery, their scoffing, or their blasphemy, nor their hatred, nor their enmity. You cannot be moved who believe. Your belief and my belief, your faith and my faith will always be tested. We go from glory to glory, and God wants to take us to the highest realms of his glory, no doubt. So today, I want to talk about a man Two men, actually. The first man, his name is Adam. Who was Adam? Well, as you know, Adam was the first man created by God from the dust of the earth. You know the story. 
You know that God created that man, Adam, in his exact image and likeness. It doesn't say exact, but the word of God says he was created in the image and likeness of God. In the image and likeness of God. We know that Jesus is the express image or the exact image. Adam was created from the dust of the earth, formed like clay in the hands of a potter. God breathed life into him, and he became an animated soul, a living soul. And life commenced. And in the time of testing, in all the glory of Adam's existence, when in the Garden of Eden, at a time where the satanic assault was coming against creation, when the dragon, the beast, the devil, that Satan, that serpent, that old serpent came subtly into the garden to seduce the woman. When Adam should have stood, when Adam should have spoken up, when Adam should have stood in the gap, we are told that Adam was silent. And in his silence, he capitulated. Adam did not reprove. Adam did not rebuke. Adam did not resist. Adam did not stand for the glory of his creator. Adam was silent. There's a book called The Silence of Adam. It's an amazing book should get it sometimes. Just look up the silence of Adam. Adam was silent in the face of a satanic assault. And because of his silence, failure came into that garden. Failure came into the whole world. Everything in the environment and the synchronicity and the rhythm of creation was trouble, went into commotion, went into discombobulation, went into chaos. Reality. Reality. Adam's silence afforded a victory to the powers of darkness that brought us into a world that we have been living in now, mankind, for over 6,000 years with murder and bloodshed and war and rebellion, and worshiping demons, and worshiping false gods, and all the evils. And man has taken on another image, the image of the devil himself. Adam wasn't created in this manner. Adam received of the devil the nature that we see him operating in and out from every single day. And it has been getting increasingly wicked. There have been epochs of times, like in the days of Noah, that God would come in and say, that's it. There were times like in Sodom and Gomorrah where God would step in and say, that is it. But what is my point here today? My point here today is to say to you that you who believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ and have been born again, that you have been taken out of Adam and you have been born again into Christ. And that Christ, as the head of a new creation species, 
is the one that we listen to because Christ was not silent. We are told that there are two men in the earth. There is Adam, who is made of the dust, and the second man, Christ, who is of the heavenly substance. But we are also told that God, in times past and in sundry ways, spoke through the prophets, but in these last days has spoken unto us by his Son. The Son has spoken. The second man from heaven has spoken. And in his speaking, he warred against that principality 2,000 years ago when he defeated and disarmed the powers of darkness, making an open show over them. The Lord Jesus Christ went to war, and he fought, and he battled. Adam was silent. Failure. Christ has spoken. Victory. You have been translated into a new species of mankind if you're born again. And I'm talking genuinely, intrinsically, and reality. You have a new creation. You have a new head. Adam was the head of the whole human race. We have a new head, another head. Jesus Christ is the head of the body of Christ. He is the head. We are the bone of his bone and the flesh of his flesh. We are his temple. We are his people. We are his body. We are of him. His very substance is now in us through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which means that we are no longer to be silent. We are no longer to hide with our aprons like Adam did in the garden when he hid from God. We are no longer to be of Adam's fear-based mentality and solical condition. We are a people that are called to speak, to stand up, to resist, to stand against, never capitulating, never retreating, never turning back, never giving up, never surrendering to the warfare of the powers of darkness. For we have an eternal spirit within us that never runs dry. We have an eternal river within us that never slows down. We have eternal life in us with an intelligence way beyond our own that speaks and flows and moves. This is who we are. And this is whose we are. And so what is the point? The point is simply this. In our generation, Right now, at the most critical time in the history of the world, we stand at a crossroads. And either we will be silent and afraid and go off to the left into bondage and servitude, or we will go to the right in resistance, in forward motion, in speaking, and standing in a battle posture against the powers of darkness. Now, I want to remind you, I want to remind you, I want to play something for you. I want to play something for you. I hope it's a blessing. I'm going to share my screen right now, and I want to just invite you to listen to this for just a moment. And I'm going to put this up, and I want to play this for you just for a little bit of understanding of what we're talking about today. 
Listen to the words. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is camping out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. I have seen him in the watchfires of a hundred circling camps. They have suited him an altar in the evening I can read his righteous sentence by the dim and flaring mess. His day is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching. Sounded forth the trumpet that shall never call retreat. He is sifting out the hearts of men before the judgment seat. Oh, he swifts my soul to answer him, be jubilant my feet. Our God is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. So what were those words? What was that all about? Where'd that song come from? It came, it was known, as you know, to be the sound of the battle hymn of the Republic. That's what it was called. The battle hymn of the Republic. When the United States of America was coming forth out of the womb of the pilgrims and the Puritans who first came here in the 1600s, and the growing up and the history and the value of that history between 1607 and 1776, the battle hymn of the Republic was a song of the American citizens whose government gave them a constitution. 
The Constitution that was given was for a moral and righteous people. The majority of the people that were in this land were Christians. They had come to this land for the free exercise of their faith from the dragon breath of man-made religion and control. And they came to a critical moment in this country because there were great powers that were desiring to bring them back under servitude and bondage and break their will. These powers were from Great Britain. These powers are today from all over the world. There are powers today that have aligned themselves against this country. The difference is that today's moral standard in our country has been obliterated. There is no moral standard, governmentally speaking. The only moral standard one may have in their heart is their own understanding of what is moral and right. For the Christian, the moral standard is Christ. But in our country today, that moral standard has been broken. It's been obliterated. Thus tearing down the wall that would prevent the enemy from coming in. We are in a critical time in our nation. We are in a critical time as human beings upon this earth, for it is not only in America that this great battle is being fought. We are now engaged in global warfare. We are now engaged with the same principality and power that went to war in the Garden of Eden. The only difference is that our commander-in-chief, the Lord Jesus Christ, spoke at a time like this, whereas Adam was silent. And the question is, will you be silent in this hour of conflict and confrontation, or will you speak? Speak what? Well, the battle hymn of the Republic was written to inspire and encourage the American citizenry to go and fight against those forces that would bring them back under their servitude and bondage. They were to fight for their freedom from the control of something they had fled from years earlier. Is there not a cause within our nation today to fight? Is there not a cause in every nation of the world, wherever God's people are gathered in those nations? Or have we become silent like Adam? You know, the genocide they're talking about in Nigeria right now? There's enough power on this earth to have stopped that a long time ago. You know the genocide that was happening in Syria? There was enough power on this earth to stop that a long time ago. You know the genocide that's been happening in this world by certain powers amongst their own people? There was enough power to stop it all the time. In fact, the United States, the heroes of the world, stopped the genocidal delusions of Adolf Hitler when he was trying to conquer the world. But there is something that stood up. A nation stood up, stood in the gap, went to war, fought against it. 
military powers in America today have sworn to protect this country from enemies abroad and domestic. And the news media is trying to say that the patriots of this nation, the moralists, the conservatives, the people that don't believe in bloody abortion and homosexuality, that want to stand up for a moral society, they're saying that we are the domestic terrorists. And if you shut your mouth and you allow that narrative to take root in your sphere of influence, failure. Failure will come. The founding fathers of this nation fought for our freedom. They fought for the freedom. Now we have gone right back into bondage, but our bondage is not under a physical military power. Our bondage is under every kind of perverse, wicked, sinful thing known to man. We are Sodom and Gomorrah. We are bloodshedding idolaters, sacrificing the most innocent life to the powers of darkness. We are a grotesque witness of the failure of our silence, particularly in our generation. Because it was in our generation that we allowed such evil to come to power. And now we're at this critical juncture in the history of the world. I assure you, by the Spirit of the Lord, war is coming to the shores of America. There are already the battle arrangements being made. War is coming. It is a spiritual, satanic war that is going to manifest into a global world war. And we are going to war. And you have to ask yourself right now, Christian believer, What is your part at this time? Even Noah, while he was building an ark for 120 years, did not keep silent while he was building his ark. He spoke up, he spoke out, and he stood in the gap. And he resisted the mindset of the world of his days and brought the narrative of God and preached righteousness while he built his ark. When the time comes for a people to walk into their ark and God's going to shut the door, that time will come and it will be by the Lord. The same Lord that had them building it all along will be the same Lord that tells them when to go and God will shut the door and protect them. Until that time, we are called to witness to the true narrative and the true words of God for this earth. Jesus Christ fought this battle physically was crucified. He fought this battle against the powers of darkness and then said to the church, said to the ecclesia, said to the saints, now execute the judgment that I have written. Bind their nobles with fetters and their kings with chains. This honor have all his saints. Psalm 149 is just one example. Malachi chapter 4, another example. Go back into the Old Testament. You can find hundreds of examples of God's people, Israel, taking it to the enemy. In the New Testament, the church was to take the glorious power of the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God to bear upon the powers of darkness. 
A spiritual battle was being fought since the birthing of the church. It never has stopped. It's just now coming to its zenith, to its height. And silence at such a time as this will prove to be devastating to the church, to this nation, and to the rest of the world. What are you saying? Well, biblically speaking, nobody can stop the great tribulation from coming. Nobody. God's word will be fulfilled in some generation. But leading up to that moment, how we respond to the world around us is going to have meaning as to how we're going to bear through the great trial. If we capitulate and are silent right now, maybe building our arts and living in our Goshens, but doing nothing, that's not the will of God. You and I have a voice. The voice must be heard, whether it's in your own home, whether it's in your family, your church, your business, your community, the world you live in, whether it's through a microphone, a megaphone, or just talking one-on-one. You must stand up and you must speak. The difference with the, you and I, with the kingdom of God, is it's already a victorious kingdom. The king is in heaven, seated at the right hand of God, waiting for his enemies to be made a footstool for him, waiting for all principalities, powers, and authorities to be made subject unto him. He's already victorious. The king is not Adam. We do not have a silent king. We do not have a king who capitulated. We have a king that encountered, that confronted, and overcame. He did it in a very unusual way. He laid his life down and bore. But he did it so that we could live. He did it so we could be strong. He did it so that we could speak. Because prior to his success and victory, we were silent. What's inside of you today, Adam, telling you to be quiet, be afraid, or is Christ your king? Just asking you to ask. Only God knows your heart, and you may know it a little bit. The devil certainly knows it. We're at a critical moment in this country. We are going to war. I would say it 5,000 times without flinching. We are going to war in this country. We are going to war, I know, all over the world. The Bible says it, number one, but it's coming. And the military pieces are being set upon the world stage. And there's a gathering together. And right now there's somewhat of a, you know, a, a gathering of people coming from different places and different walks that are showing up at certain rally points, getting ready for the big battle that lies ahead. But soon, the terrible dark night of the soul will come upon this nation. The sun will be darkened. The moon will not give her light. The stars will withdraw from their shining. A time of darkness is coming upon this land. 
What is your part in it? What is the calling of God in your life right now at this critical moment? Are you being confronted with an idea that says, well, wait a second. Nobody says it's wartime yet. Nobody says it's going to happen yet. I could still get my goodies. I could still, you know, get what I want. I want to ask you a question. If the lights go out today, are you ready? Are you fully submitted, fully surrendered? Do you have wisdom, revelation, and knowledge of what you're supposed to be doing? Because a war is ready to break out in this country. And I will assure you, there are Christian men all over this nation who are of the same stock as the founding fathers. They are not going to entertain the ideas about this isn't a physical battle. We're not supposed to carry weapons. You need to understand that there are men in this nation who are of the same stock that understand they have been sworn They have sworn their allegiance to the nation to fight against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And they are going to take up arms. And they are going to go to the White House. And they are going to go to Washington, D.C. They are going as a military force to take back this country. You'll see it with your eyes. They are not going to be silent. The battle hymn of the Republic is surging through their blood. They are the children of the founding fathers. Many people that have come to this country don't have that blood flowing in them. They haven't fought in the Air Force, the Army, the Marines, the Navy. They haven't been a part of the military powers. Most people just live here trying to get the stuff. They want to just live good life. But they don't know about allegiance to a nation to uphold its values and principles. And there are people here today that recognize that the very values and principles that were fought for have been stolen, obliterated, trampled. And for a generation, the silence of Adam. The silence of Adam. And through that capitulation and silence, We are drowning in perdition once again. But there are a people, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, all the agencies in this country and in the world are going to have to reckon with a reality that they're coming. They are coming fully armed, fully prepared to once again, as the founding fathers, to lay their lives down. They commit their property, their wealth, and their families, and all that they have to the cause of fighting for this nation at this critical time. Because if they don't, if they don't, the bondage that we are already in, you see, the tentacles of the adversary are choking the life through sin and corruption and perversion and defilement and depravity. We are being destroyed by the pedophiles and the homosexuals and the laws that were promoted to protect them. Their stench, their pornography, their filth, their bloodshedding is choking and empowering the demonic and the wicked who are demonically possessed. They're choking the church and the people of this country. 
And God is wanting to unsheathe his sword and set his people free to stand up and to resist and not be silent again. But if you are of Adam, you're shaking in your boots. If you are of Adam's mind, you don't want to say a word. You're going to be quiet. If you're of Adam's mind, you've got to hide because you're afraid. That's not how the founding fathers operated. There are domestic terrorists that have taken over the United States of America and have been laboring to destroy the republic for which we stand. They are domestic terrorists. They are communists, socialists. They are against the values of the republic. And for a generation have been beating it down. And the church's silence has allowed it to happen. And now we're at the point of total destruction because the implementations of war have been set and there is a strong iron bondage that's coming. It's coming through the economic system. It's coming through uh, international criminal court. It's coming through a global one world governmental power. It is coming. And the vehement hatred, the enmity, the violence that is in the heart of Satan, you've never seen it before. You, you may have thought you've seen it before. You may have been around some tough stuff and said, oh, my God, that was terrifying. I've never seen such hate in a person's life. Oh, you have not yet begun to see the wickedness and the evil and the sheer hatred of a person's being totally taken over by a demonic presence. It's coming. And again, the question is, what are you going to do? I know it's coming. I know it's coming. I think you know it's coming. Is there not a cause to fight for the values and the principles, for the lives of little children, for the sanctity of our psychology, to get rid of these satanically designed deceptions of homosexuality, lesbianism, transgenderism, pedophilia, All these wicked things, now they've got the polyamory where now it's now legal in another city, somewhere in the Northeast. They just legalized that six men can be married to four women in one house or one man can be married to four women and two men married to seven women. I mean, it's all coming out now. And the silence of Adam, the silence of Adam is producing gross failure. But I'm telling you that there are men and women in this country, and I'm sure in other nations around the world. I don't know what other people in other nations, you know, they grew up in an Islamic or a communistic or socialistic society, an antichrist, you know, country. I don't know. You know, they, what, is their, what is their foundation? What is their national foundation? Well, the youngest nation in the world, America, our constitution that obviously, obviously, the United States of America had such a Christian value system in its constitution and its foundation. Jesus Christ, the Lord, dedicated this country. The early founding fathers in the 1600s dedicated this country to Jesus Christ, built churches all over the nation, brought the Bible into this country, held men accountable for their wicked deeds, Righteous men ruled in positions of power, but it all changed 
sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Took out an entire generation. The enemy came in stealth. And now we are at the most critical time in the history of our nation. And I know that there are millions of men in this country and women that carry the bloodline of the founding fathers. They are patriots. They are Christians. If you ask them, they are Christians like their founding fathers who said, even as Christ came to make men holy, let us fight to make men free. We are not free in America. We have gone into bondage. Jesus said, if you live in sin, you are a slave to sin. America has become a nation of slaves, bondage. And because we're not fighting to have the right men and women in positions of power, we're failing. But they're coming. You need to know they're coming. You may watch it on television like you did the last year as Black Lives Matter and Antifa groups stirred by the George Soroses of our time, stirred by a global oligarchy of elites that try to bring their stuff, burning buildings, doing all the violence they did for nine months before our eyes on television, the most violent acts of kicking men in the head, shooting, killing, defecating, burning, robbing, looting. You may see what's coming on television as well. The narrative will most likely shift. But if you want to know who the domestic terrorists really were, go back and watch your television for the last year. The terrorists were those people from city to city breaking into businesses, setting on fire buildings and homes and doing the filthy things they did. There's your terrorists. Say it again. The terrorists of the United States were before your eyes for a year, and the news media supported them. In comparison to one day of people going into a peaceful march in Washington, D.C., not one car burned, not one fight broken out. The only window broken was at the Capitol building where it was instigated by Antifa. And if it was really the mob and the rioters, If the people that were there on January 6th were the real terrorists, Washington, D.C. would be owned right now by those million people that were there. Every building would be occupied by those million people. Every person in government would have been arrested or worse. They'd have been gone, and Washington, D.C. would have been taken over if they were real terrorists. The million people that were there to support the president of the United States were not real terrorists. They were the patriots and the Americans who loved their country and loved their president, who was fighting to bring a moral cause back into our nation, but found that the filthy swamp monsters and the demonic powers were so strong. That's what we like to believe is going on. Regardless, we, the people of the United States of America, were there in part. They were there, but they didn't do what terrorists do. Terrorists do what they did in Seattle and Portland, all over this country. And it sparked a revolution all over the world. What kind of a revolution? 
a communist revolution against the United States of America, against the West, against capitalism, against morals, against values, against Jesus Christ ultimately behind it in the spirit. That's what it is. And they're not done. They're just hoping that you hush. They're just hoping that you be quiet. They're just hoping that you capitulate like Adam. They're just hoping that you get scared enough to go away. Because then they will succeed. But there's a force coming. It's all over the world. It's in this country. It's men and women who understand, who have a right-thinking mind that say, my allegiance to my nation as my founding fathers fought, so now shall we fight. It's coming. I'm just telling you what's coming. The war is coming. And before it actually breaks out and blows, you're going to start seeing a lot of crazy stuff in this country. Oh, you're going to hear about 21-year-old boys shooting people. You're going to hear about school shootings. You're going to have massive church shootings. You're going to see people arrested. You're going to see all kinds of crazy stuff start going on in this country because the left has to make its move right now while the people are complacent. But somewhere out in the woods, out in the mountains, out in the fields, a gathering is taking place. A gathering of men and women who understand the truth. And they are preparing, strategizing, praying, to do something to fight for their country that has already been taken into bondage with a lukewarm church system. It has no sanctifying power. It's already been taken into bondage, the American citizens, and infiltrated by people that do not want this republic to last. So the remaining ones of the republic are going to be demonized and dehumanized, as my brother Daniel would say. It's coming. There has to be the gathering together. And they are. I guarantee it. They are gathering all over this country. Because the focus is on this country. Break this country. We've got it. And they are coming. And it's now coming face to face. My question to you, Christian man, Christian woman, What is your part at this moment? What do you know? What do you know? I believe that the church is going back into homes. I believe people will be uh, getting together and meeting in mountains and open fields. I believe that it's going to be a time of people packing their bags and coming out of this system of control that's been over their lives so that they could be downloaded with the Spirit of God and have an energy and a power and a victory and a skill that God's wanting to give them. I believe we're at a critical moment. And if we remain silent, and if the remaining patriots of this country refuse to move, then we shall slide into what has been prophesied, the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth. We may go there anyways, 
But someone once said, I don't want to go down without a fight. I don't want the news media. I don't want the homosexual Don Lemon and all the CNN news media and all the, less, the rest of them, the little Fox News and all the rest that are not doing their job. I don't want them to demonize me or to dehumanize me with their mouths. They are what was one time in this country considered worthy of death and worthy of imprisonment for their actions. They have not confessed. They have not repented. Then there is no salvation for them. They will die in eternal death. In this country, this is the way it is. This is the history. In part, very small, I'm not a historian, so I give the best I know from what I've learned, but I know this is partially the history of the United States of America. Land of the free, the home of the brave. Where did their bravery come from? Where did their freedom come from? They said it came from God. They said it came from Jesus Christ. They sat by the lanterns by night reading the scriptures and being inspired by the words of God while they were fighting for the freedom and the liberty of our nation. Today, there are many Christians that would say Christians aren't supposed to fight. Christians aren't supposed to take guns. Well, that may be your belief. That may be your opinion. But based upon history, many godly men and women took up arms to fight and defend this country. You may judge them and say they were not Christians. That may be your opinion. But if they did not fight, you would not be here. If they did not fight, there would have been no United States of America. If they did not fight and stand for what was right, there would not have been the greatest nation on the face of the earth. Effulgencing its power to the ends of the earth, standing as the heroes of the world in World War II and World War I. You would not be part of the greatest nation on the face of the earth. The time has come. Decisions will be made. Wherever you stand is where you will stand. Pray, seek God for wisdom. I'm telling you what is coming. And I believe it with all of my heart. And what will you do? It is a critical critical moment within this nation. Be ready. Pray. What is my part? What am I supposed to do? If nothing else, you should be speaking the true narrative of God against the false narrative that's coming over this nation like a net. Every Christian should be voicing the truth about what happened in the last year. Setting the stage proper because the delusion will be great for those who do not. Your silence will take you far away from what God had intended for you to be when you were here. Friday, I've got to go. See you later, folks. Have a great weekend. Hopefully, I'll be back on the air Tuesday. 
I hope you'll be with me on Tuesday. But get ready. The shift is on. Right now on Omega Radio, there's a roundtable discussion. I'm going to celebrate my brother's birthday. And tomorrow is St. Peggy's Day because Sister Peggy's birthday is tomorrow. So today is St. Michael's Day. Tomorrow is St. Peggy's Day. We got a party to go to to celebrate loving people who love God and who we love. I hope you have a great weekend. I'm going to do the best I can to extract all the beautiful benefit of my Savior to have an amazing time. Satan may fight against you, but remember, you've been called to fight him. Gotta go. Bye-bye. Shalom. Arrivederci. Ciao. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.